0: Welcome to Unscripted with Pastor Nate Morris. Here, each week we engage in candid conversations with Nate, focusing in on some of the subjects brought up in the Sunday morning teaching shared at Mountain Life Calvary Chapel. There are some subjects you don't expect to hear pastors talk about in church. One of those subjects is probably sex. But teaching through the Bible doesn't give a pastor the option of whether to talk about the topic of sex, because God's Word has a lot to say about it. In this episode of Unscripted, we discuss that topic of sex and what God's Word has to say about it. Let's join the discussion now. Hey, Nate, really looking forward to this podcast I've, heard, uh, I've had a couple people say that they're Already looking forward to uh, this podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Since you mentioned it in the message yesterday that you would, we'd be talking about this topic uh, today, and so yeah. I know some people are waiting to to hear it. I what was the what was the title that you gave the,
1: the this t- teacher? The title. Uh, well, I you know actually somebody somebody was like you should have titled it. Keep the fire in the grill. That's my line. That's just exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah, the the, the title that I actually had was God's Plan for
0: Sexuality, but somebody right. was like, and it wasn't you; it was somebody else. It's like, it must have been somebody very smart because they had the same <laughs> idea as I did. That's exactly Keep what I was gonna say. Keep the fire in the grill. Keep yeah. the fire in the grill. That uh, has to do with uh, an, a little analogy that you gave about. Uh, burning down your house because you were trying to do not a quite burning research. down the house, but, <laughs> but
1: close to that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so my leading question this week is what's the best thing you ever prepared on your grill? What do you think? What do you yeah. think was your best effort? On, on the
1: grill? So my parents gave me a sous vide for my birthday a couple of years ago.
0: Um, which, I don't know what that is. It's a fancy French word. I mean, definitely. That's why I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm studying it's, Spanish so, now, but I don't know French. Yeah. So it's
1: basically you, you take a bin of water and it's this wand that goes in the water and circulates the water around, but it also heats it up to a specific temperature. So you set the temperature that you want to set it at. And then um, it's you, it's used by like a, all the kind of major steakhouses and stuff because basically they can they can get the the meat to the exact temperature they want it and then just sear it at the end. And so what I do is I put in a steak or something like that. But what I really like is the tri-tips from Costco.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I,
1: I take one of those, I sous vide it for three or four hours, and it's like at 135 degrees exactly. And then you throw it on the grill for five minutes, and it sears the outside, and it's like... Wow, it's really good. Oh okay, yeah. Okay, so you kind of boil
0: it is kind of Well, like, is, is it in the water? <laughs> it's
1: in the water, but it doesn't the water doesn't ever boil because okay. boiled water is like 200 degrees or something like oh, that. Okay. So, this just heats it up to I mean, you can the cool thing about a sous vide is you can actually cook it from frozen. So, you throw the frozen you can throw a frozen piece of meat in there leave it in there for four to six hours, oh, wow. and it will get it to exactly whatever temperature you set it. So if you say 135, that's like kind of on the rare side.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then at that point, you just throw it on the grill for or in the skillet for a few minutes and sear it and get it nice and crispy on the outside, and it's perfect. So. Man. I feel like I could do the whole podcast on this subject. I, know, I we like, could just started talking about it. Yeah. It's like let's not talk about sex. Let's talk about
0: meat. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, you know you said you were you were going to talk about sex. I thought you were talking about sects, sex, like <laughs> denominations. And so I was a little surprised yeah. when like no, it was the sex. No, I'm just kidding. Um, this subject then you mentioned it at the beginning of the teaching that you were a little uncomfortable in the position about talking about it, that we sitting there in the congregation could feel a little uncomfortable. Why do you think that is?
1: I, I feel like it's an awkward thing to talk about. And it just probably, it's just the way that we grow up. It feels awkward to talk. It's like the kids that are, you know, getting sat down for the birds and the bees talk by their parent. Mm. You know, it's like, it's, feels really awkward yeah yeah. (laughs) you know Uh, i don't think that it should be awkward i think that's a result of the fall Mm. um you know adam and eve were naked and unashamed in the garden before the fall and then afterwards suddenly they felt like they had to cover up you know and um so it's a result of the fall i believe but but it is natural for us uh, to feel awkward about that you know
0: yeah like turned into something shameful or something Mm -hmm. like that um the you know this is unscripted with pastor Nate Morris. Usually I have a whole bunch of questions ready yeah. for you. So my yeah. part's scripted, your part's unscripted. <laughs> yes, totally. Um, I don't have really have a whole lot of questions. I have some questions here, but, um, but yeah, I just wanted to, to kind of get into this. You said that there were so many things that you wanted to, uh, talk about so many things about this topic that you just didn't have time to, to get into it. Um, yesterday, but I, I just feel like that overarching thought of like the topic of sex, the how how it's something that God gifted us with, as you mentioned mm-hmm. in your teaching, but now it's turned into something that, that's that's shameful and and obviously, you know, Satan is has done that. He does that with everything, every good and perfect gift that God wants right. to give us. He tries to turn it into something dirty and yep. shameful. Um, but how can we, how can we restore it back to that, that place, that place where it's, it's a one, we see it as a wonderful gift from God.
1: Yeah. I think that, um, basically from the beginning after the fall that, that our concept of, of sex has been, has been, uh, distorted by Satan, by the world, by our flesh. Um, and, because of that it it impacts the way that we view it but also the way that we engage in it and um I, th- I think I, I kind of shared in the message that it, it, the, you know, there was what's called like the sexual revolution in the 1960s and mm-hmm. the kind of the sexual liberation movement. And we're now kind of in the maturity of that, the, the it, that, that kind of movement has grown to, to, to full acceptance and it's kind of whatever you want, anything goes, as long as it's not hurting somebody else. Right. And that's kind of the thought. And mm-hmm. um, if it's two consenting adults or whatever, and, Um, and so everything goes, you don't have to be married. You can, you know, it can be a group of people. It can be, you know, kind of anything goes. And the problem with that is, I mean, you would think that people would be experiencing more and better and, uh, sex and be more fulfilled in their sex lives. But the problem is the statistics show that that's not the case. Um, and that's secular science that's showing that there's these studies that are showing that people, are very unhappy in their sex life, and they're not uh, they're not engaging in sexual activity as much um, because of that. And the expectations are super high, and they really are kind of uh, wandering around, not really knowing what it looks like. And I think that unfortunately, this these mindsets have infiltrated the church as well, where we we tend to think, well, it's just normal to sleep around, um, and it's normal to to Um, if, I mean, it used to be like when I was growing up, um, you know, I'm 41 now, but when I was in like high school, it's like, well, if you love someone, you sleep with them right now, it's like, if you like someone, you might sleep with them now and, or even worse, it's like, you know, that's just like the thing you're expected to do on the first date almost, you know? Um, but I think that that has begun to backfire and people are now just not actually interested because it's not living up to the hype. It's not living up to the expectations. Because the way that sex is designed is to unify uh, two people in a marriage and to bring husband and wife together in a way that uh, brings unity and brings passion and pleasure and commitment. And uh, in that context, it's a beautiful thing and actually brings a lot of the things that people are looking for in it, um, but they're looking in the wrong places, if that makes sense. And yeah. so it really it is getting our thoughts and our sexuality in line with God's plan for sexuality, I think is where we actually find the most mm-hmm.
0: freedom and life and joy in it. If that makes sense. Yeah. What, what would a, a Christian, a person who's set their, their mind, their heart to follow Jesus in the sexual culture that we're living today here in this country, what are we to do? Um, Regarding that culture, like, you know, I think of you, you have, you know, younger kids than I do. My kids uh-huh. are all grown. Um, so I probably don't worry about it as much because I've already raised them and, you know, they've, they've learned uh, yeah. the things that they needed to learn about this. Um, but how are, how are we to, are we to impact our culture? Are we should, should we just be focused on ourselves and making sure that we're following God's plan for sex, or should we be speaking into our culture? You know, like how do? You, what do you think? Like because that's that's one of the things that I'm like. Well, I got myself straight, and so I'm fine. Yeah. You know, but should I be looking to impact this culture that's going in a, a destructive direction? Yeah.
1: You know, I, I think that increasingly it's going to be a talking point that we can come in with a positive message in this, um, because here, here's the thing. So so the sexual revolution was almost a response to the Christian sexual ethic, Um the, the 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 people who were not followers of Christ felt that the Christian sexual ethic, which was the dominant sexual ethic in our society, uh, even though it wasn't practiced appropriately, there was lots of you know, um, you know, male dominated, you know, like boys will be boys type of mentality, um, even among those who would hold to a, what they would call Christian sexual ethic. But but the United States has been you know. Um, influenced by christian morality it's never been a christian nation but influenced Mm -hmm. by christian morality and the sexual revolution was a response to that saying those are old-fashioned values um there are different ways to do it than that and maybe that's not even a it's it's not only not necessarily the best way but maybe it's not even a good way Mm -hmm. um and so The sexual revolution was in response to that, you know, the flower children, the, you know, free love of the sixties that led into the, the, uh, you know, studio 57 type stuff of the seventies that led into the eighties where, you know, you have all the, you know, uh, fast times at Ridgemont high, you know, just like they kind of progressed and progressed and progressed and progressed and progressed to this point where we are now in 2023, And, um, it's anything goes, but now people are not finding satisfaction in the, anything goes Mm -hmm. like they thought they would. And, um, and statistics show this across the board. I mean, it's just, it's down. People are having like 11% less sex than they were 30 years ago, which is crazy, you know? Uh, And that's a big, that's a big percentage when you figure in that that's an average across the board. And so, um, the, the way that I think that we can speak into this is coming in with a positive view of God's good plan for Mm what, what human sexual ethic is and looks like not so much. Um, here's, I guess this is the way that I would say it. I think the temptation might be to say, to come out and rail against what's wrong. You know, the temptation would be to say, like stand out there and proclaiming all the different sinful sexuality, sexual behaviors that are out there to the Mm -hmm. public. That's not necessarily what I think is what we're called to right now as believers. Not, not that we shouldn't hold forth what's actually true. Um, I mean, if, if I'm talking to someone who's caught up in sexual sin and I have the answer to that, I should share that with them, but it's not really, you know, go on, Out telling everybody you're a sinner you're going to hell you know (laughs) that's not the point um but we have the beauty of god's actual plan and how we can actually uh, really experience what it was meant to be in the freedom and the life and the the joy that is there um in that positive sense with the culture i don't know if that makes sense or not
0: yeah but and then as you're talking about that then it seems like then we need to talk about how awesome sex is in a relationship between a husband and a wife mm-hmm. and if we're quiet about that in the church then that message will never get portrayed yeah you know I don't does that make sense yeah, like absolutely like if we're if we're just like avoid the subject completely because it makes us uncomfortable then that message can never get out there yeah about what a beautiful glorious gift God has given us when it's uh, used in its proper domain. Right and absolutely, um, I think that that maybe I don't know maybe somebody's listening to this and they're like, why don't we talk about sex in church? You know, it's like I just feel like if we don't, then the good message, yeah, (laughs) never gets out there and all the because I mean our culture is so loud. Right. I mean, you ever watch a movie? Like, is it like a good movie? And then all of a sudden there's just a sex scene in there. Yeah. And you're like, random. why, <laughs> why is that even in there? <laughs> yeah. It has nothing to do with the plot <laughs> at all. And not, yeah. I'm not talking about full on, you know, I don't watch those movies, but the, uh, you know, just like, yeah, like that did not need to be in there, but yeah. it's there. But it's there. always yeah. going to be there from our yeah. culture. And so I feel like it's just so important that, that we do approach these things.
1: Yeah. I think so too. I mean, I think the, the, the silence on behalf of the church that has been present for the past, I'd say 20 years. I mean, there, so there was a big push for purity culture and stuff in the late nineties, early Mm two thousands. Um, and, and that kind of backfired in some ways because some people really, it it, it treated, it kind of was approached from the wrong way. I believe not that the overall message was wrong, but they approached it from the wrong way. Um, and then there was almost like a, we shouldn't talk about that anymore for a while. And it just hasn't really been, it's kind of been on the back burner and not that people haven't, you know, held to a Christian sexual ethic, but it hasn't been something that that is regularly out in front of the church. And I think the culture is constantly talking about this. And if the church isn't talking about it, then the culture is what's going to inform our view of sexuality. And, and I, you know, to answer again, back on your other question, I think that our call is to is is to speak the positive truth of what human sexuality is and should be and can be. I do also think, though, that where there is wrong and sexual violence and exploitation, that it is our duty to speak against those things. So I shared some really difficult stories on Sunday, uh, specifically regarding porn. You know, people. I think porn is like this victimless thing and nobody's really hurt by engaging in it, but that one in three porn videos shows, um, sexual violence of some sort. And, and as high as 40% of porn videos, uh, contain non-consent, which means that one party in that video, uh, either is fully non-consenting and it's basically you're watching rape or. Um, they maybe consented to be a part of a, 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 a pornographic video, but they then got pressured into doing something that they were uncomfortable doing. Um, and I shared some stories on Sunday that were really hard to hear, but I think that it's important that we hear those stories so that we can actually be those who would stand up and say, no, this is, it's wrong to see people trafficked for their sexuality and sold for money. uh, to, for, to satisfy other people. Um, and so that, that's an area where I would say that we should be standing up. So like we want to speak grace and truth and life to those who don't understand how God designed sex and why, but then we also want to speak against the things that are truly, um, broken and
0: destructive in that sense, if that makes sense. So, yeah. Um, I've had this question a lot of times over the years as a pastor, um, Just interested in your perspective on it. But uh, David, great man of God, Mm -hmm. many, many sexual partners. Solomon, Mm -hmm. his son, had all this wisdom, had looks like a thousand sexual partners. Yeah. Probably with his wives and his concubines. Um, Are we to take that as a model?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. No, 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 <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I think that that is something that people probably level as an accusation against Christians is, will you say that this, like, God wants sex to be between a husband and a wife, and then what about people that were praised in the Old Testament that had many wives? Um, and you know, God gave instruction that kings should not take many wives, yeah. and they broke that instruction. Yeah. Now, God. Allowed that, but it wasn't what he told them to do. Uh, in fact, Solomon really fell because of his many wives. You know, mm-hmm. um, Solomon started off honoring the Lord, doing great, but it says that later on in his life he started to dabble into idolatry because the some of his wives that were from other nations brought their foreign gods, and mm-hmm. he fell into the sin of idolatry. It really ruined him in the end. Um, and even David, you know, King David had. Uh, many wives as well, but even when he had many wives, he wasn't satisfied, and he took somebody else's wife. You know, mm-hmm. David was an example; was not an example of what to do, I, I guess, is what I would say in the sexual mm-hmm. sense. Um, he was an example of what to do in certain other areas of life, but he was a man that was deeply fallen and broken. And if anything, it really just reveals to us the grace of God, and that's that's what I I wanted to make sure that I communicated yesterday is when we're talking with strong words about God's plan for sexuality and all the things that are not in God's plan, um, that we have to understand that, that there's a strong standard and it should be clear and we should understand it, but there's also incredible grace that -hmm. comes our way if, and when we have fallen from that standard, you know, and david's a prime example of that i mean he was called a man after god's own heart and yet he was confronted for his sexual sin yeah and god called him out with prophets you know Mm -hmm. and um and it in the end it tore him down too you know his son absalom tried to kill him his son who was you know not from his just he he had this whole mess because of he couldn't control himself you know um did god still forgive him yes if you're wrapped up in sexual sin, will God still forgive you? Yes, but it's going to tear your life apart. Yeah.
0: I think one great example of that is uh, Abraham. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when Sarah says, hey, why don't you just go sleep with the maid right. and have a son with him since I can't have a, a son? And Abraham didn't take him long. <laughs> He's yeah. like, okay, honey, whatever you say. And yeah. goes off and Ishmael, his son, and then Isaac later, his son through Sarah, which was God's plan. Right. And still to this day, you know, we're having violence in the world because of those two boys yep. and the, the mistake they made there. Um, you know, you gave a disclaimer at the beginning of the teaching. You, you warned us a couple of weeks ago that we'd be approaching this subject yeah. as well in church. And, um, there were some, I saw parents who had, uh, some children with them in church who exited, uh, and, uh, one, Guy specifically, he said that he was really glad that you were talking about this, but he didn't want his kids to hear it. And that was fine. And that's why you shared that. But uh, a question that's come up in my mind, maybe some other listeners, is when do you approach this with your kids? Yeah. Like, when should a parent have these discussions or should they? Should they talk to their kids about this stuff or, yeah, or, or win
1: well the, the message that i gave yesterday i described it as pg-13 or even pg-13 plus um i mean i wouldn't call it an r-rated message in the sense that that you just kind of get across a line with that but there were certain i described some violent sexual encounters that people had been through yeah. and so I wouldn't have wanted my youngest, my 8-year-old to be in there either. That's yeah. why I gave that disclaimer at the beginning. You know, and, and even even for those who have been victims of sexual violence, I didn't want them to be triggered. So I kind of threw a little bit of that in there at the beginning too. It's like, hey, this is this isn't some heavy stuff that we're getting into. Mm-hmm. So, and there were a couple people that walked out because of that with their kids and I I would have done the same thing with yeah. my youngest, you know. My older two, I actually um, think that it was some stuff that they probably should should hear even though they were in their middle school group during that time but um, I think the it's something that has to be approached by each parent individually but if you're talking about basic sexuality and sexual function, you have to do it a lot earlier than you think because they are getting that information yeah. well earlier than you think they are and it's earlier than when you were a kid um, it, you know like, early to middle elementary school is probably when you should be talking about, um, the, those birds and bees types conversations. But then, you know, before they get into middle school, I mean like third, fourth, fifth grade is when you probably need to be talking to them about pornography and internet, you know, and, and sexual predators on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and people that might, you know, lure them with certain words and thoughts on the internet. Um, and also, you know uh, the 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 type of stuff that happens that I shared in the message because kids are unaware and they're naive, thank the Lord. But they they also need to be aware. So I, I mean, I think it's earlier. Unfortunately, it's earlier and earlier.
0: Every day. It year. is. I, you know, I was a child of the '60s, born in '66, and I can remember at about four or five years old being exposed to yeah. things uh, from friends in the neighborhood and right. Uh, garages, you know, my dad's garage that had ups, you know, and, right. and just, I, I know that was my first experience like at five years old. And so right. that was back in 1970. 71. Right. And that's when you had to go, go to the store to buy that stuff. It yeah. wasn't just on your phone that you carry around with you. Yeah. You know? And so I think it is a, a really important thing for parents, even though it's, it's super uncomfortable, yeah. uh, and hard to do. Well, that's, a parent is (laughs) sometimes uncomfortable and difficult it
1: is no and i think the the especially here's what i would this is just this is me on a soapbox just a little bit yeah but if you give your kids an internet capable device Mm. you should expect that they are encountering porn on it or or other people who have out for their harm on it unless you are doing something to protect them not just warning them about it but actively doing something to protect them. So my kids, two of my kids have phones. My oldest has a phone. He's he's in ninth grade. He's he's going into high school. He's got a phone. He has, um, you know, it's a phone that he can take out and he can make calls and stuff on. But he doesn't have the internet on it when he's gone. We didn't get internet an internet package. And when he's at home and he connects to Wi Fi, he doesn't have a web browser on it, so he can't search the internet. He doesn't have social media. He has a couple little apps. He has, um, you know a, uh, messaging app for his program that he's in. He's got the weather app and a couple of little games and stuff. That's it because it only takes one little link click on one little website that you weren't even looking for to end up going down that road. And so, we've put that in place to protect him with that. And we, we also have this canopy software that filters out sexual content, even in text messages, because that's another thing that's a big deal right now is text sexting is, is big among preteens and teenagers. Mm-hmm. And so it'll filter that out before it even happens. And so um, is it wrong to give your kids a phone? No, no, I don't think so. I mean, my kids have phones for a purpose, but they don't have any internet on it. They don't have um, They don't have the web browsing capabilities. They don't have social media. Those are the places that your kids will, I don't say might, I say will encounter porn or will encounter people who are not looking for their best interest. If your kids are on social media, they've probably already been approached by creepy dudes, (laughs) you know, um, it's just what, especially if they're girls, like every girl that I've talked to that's in that age group that has uh, social media, there are creepy dudes approaching them on there. and. So my daughter has a phone. She doesn't have uh, a cell plan when she leaves the house, but she has the same restrictions on her phone in our home. She doesn't have social media. She doesn't have a web browser. Um, I I think it's important. Now, of course, at some point, they're going to need those things as they become an adult. They're going to get a phone that has that stuff, but I think you need to train them and give them um, the right tools to deal with that and the maturity to deal with that um, before they just kind of have a what is essentially can be a truly life altering deadly tool in their hand. So. Yeah.
0: Well, there is, there's that one side of protecting your kids. Um, some, some people will go really, really far with that and feel like they can right. protect their kids from any influence like that. But the reality is <laughs> it's nearly impossible to do that. Yeah. And so there's protecting, but then there's also preparing. Yeah. And talking uh, through with them. Yeah. Which is super important. Well, uh, if, if somebody has has fallen in this area of their life, uh, either uh, before they came to Christ or now that, that even now, now that they're walking with the Lord, um, and they've seen sex as just something dirty, uh, how can they? How can it be restored? Yeah. Like how can it turn from that filthy, you know, dirty? hidden thing to be something that they truly can enjoy uh, Mm -hmm. in a a relationship with their spouse yeah i think that the the the
1: important thing is getting it out into the light and it's so that that means confessing it that means bringing it out that means getting some people that you can talk to about it because when we keep things hidden that's when they grow you know and um so, so bringing that, those things out into the light and allowing the light of Christ to shine on them is where you're going to find freedom from those those things, you know. And um, I, it's it's so important to recognize that that we're sinners, and to recognize that we need a Savior, and to recognize that you're not alone in your sin either. That, that, you know, that, that it says no temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man. And sexual sin has been a problem since the dawn of time, you know. Mm-hmm. That's why Paul wrote about it in Ephesians chapter 5. That's the whole reason we brought it up is because it's in the Bible there. Like, I, I didn't want to talk about that this week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not the message I wanted to give. But it's where we landed in the scripture and it's like, this is important. We have to talk about this. And Paul thought it was important to talk about that to the Ephesians because in Ephesus there was where the temple of Artemis was and they had Mm -hmm. temple prostitutes and you would go and your way to worship Artemis was to have sex with a prostitute at the temple, you know? Um, And so, so it's important to talk about. And then I think it's also like, as we bring our sin into the light, we can receive that healing and that cleansing of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that the it's interesting because we've seen the culture get more and more loose in these things. And Christians have seen that. And some of them have been vocal about that. Uh, at the same time, Christian culture has been very, like, almost condemning of Christians that, that fall into sexual sin, too. And I think the problem is that when you look at the statistics, it's like most Christians are struggling with this in some way. I mean, whether it's porn or whether it's um, sex, premarital sex, or whether it's, you know, struggling with same sex attraction or whether it's just a lust issue when you're walking around, most Christians are struggling with this. And usually when you see a bunch of people quick to condemn somebody about something, (laughs) it's something that they're struggling with themselves, themselves, you know? Um, And so that's where I think that bringing it out into the light and being honest and open about those things and sharing those things is where you can get healing, but also it helps the community of Christians to, to, to work together to overcome those as well. Um, and, and I, there's just something about
0: bringing your sin out into the open that brings healing for it. So I just want to mention too, real quick, I know over the years I've, I've worked with a a lot of men who, uh, struggle in their sexual relationship with their wife because of uh porn addiction things like that like they they're not able to enjoy a sexual relationship with their wife because their whole view of what sex is is something dirty and something you know yeah. to be hidden and stuff and that's like the exciting thing to them mm-hmm. about it and so they don't uh sorry that lead out music started i got to get rid of that <laughs> um they they just feel like that's just the way it's going to be for them and so they they look for these other things these sinful things to be the way that they're they're gratified sexually and i just want to if if anybody's listening to this and that's you i just want to encourage you that god can restore and does restore a wonderful glorious <laughs> sexual relationship with your wife but sometimes it takes some time yeah you know it doesn't just happen immediately and so don't go back to that sinful thing right uh, to 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 fulfill that need you know do what uh you shared that verse out of proverbs uh do what scripture says in and look to your wife to be the one that satisfies you I feel like we could talk about this for another two hours there's so yes, much to talk about kind of what i was getting at in the message it almost
1: should be a series but i don't really know that i want to do a series on this at least not right now <laughs> maybe, maybe so we'll do that in the future maybe in the future you yeah. get to preach that series paul <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> i'm just kidding well, i feel like god's uh, calling
0: me some i feel wolves. like god's call- god <laughs> yeah no, I, I think
1: it's there's a lot there and there's a lot that um is could be dug into and explored and we, i mean we will address those things as they come up more in scripture and there will be more of that even in the, the not not in the immediate future but in the the not too distant future as so we talk about marriage and things and yeah. in, in a month or two we'll talk about some of that as well but i think um yeah i agree with what you said here's the thing in the sexual relationship often the world tells us it's about getting Ooh. where the word tells us it's about giving oh, yeah and so that's that's the difference, and the getting you can never get enough. Mm. You know what I mean? You're you're always looking for more, and that that's that was King David. He had hundreds of wives, and he didn't have enough. He needed more. He needed one more, yeah. and the one more was the one that put him over the edge. Mm. And uh, when you are giving in your sexual relationship with your spouse, you actually Sorry. receive more than you than you. Would expect because your goal is to bless and give to your partner rather than what I'm going to get out of it. And when you come to it with that mindset, you find that you're you actually are able to receive more than you thought you could. And that that's the whole picture of that.
0: That's all of Christianity, yeah. isn't it? You know, it's
1: more blessed to give than to receive, right? Yeah. And yeah. and I it, it the I think this that's probably the primary and and I, you know I, I I alluded to that on Sunday, but I didn't have I. I mean, I preached for almost an hour on Sunday. It was crazy. <laughs> I really didn't have time to get down that road. But the the giving in the sexual relationship is where the, the, the enjoyment and the joy and the pleasure comes rather than the receiving. Because when it's all about what I want and what, I, what, what turns mm-hmm. me on, it's really like empty and shallow and it is just two bodies at that point you know what i mean it yeah. is just it is just what i'm watching on the screen you know well this is the type of thing that really gets me going yeah. and
0: that, that it, it can never be enough is yeah. the problem that's a great word yeah uh, that that flows into every aspect of our lives you know what jesus taught us about that about mm-hmm. you know when you give your life away that's when you find life and it's uh the great, uh, paradox <laughs> that we are presented with, do we trust God or do we not trust him? And that yeah. flows right into our sexual relationship as well. So. It
1: does. One last little note before I know we got to go is I know, um, there are probably a lot of our listeners that are single and not married. So, you know, some of this, a lot of the, the conversation around sex is directed at married people, but I think also in singleness, Um, I I realize and understand and know that it's a difficult thing to walk out the biblical sexual ethic as an, as a Christian single, because the temptation is everywhere Mm -hmm. and you don't, you don't have a spouse yet. Um, and that, that you are able to use in that, that relationship with, um, but the, the important thing is just exactly what you said, trusting God. Trusting his goodness and knowing that, uh, his plan is the best. And, um, for the moment, at least wherever you find yourself in, in a place of singleness for the moment, um, you are in the place that is God's best for you. And he might, he might bring someone into your life very soon and you might end up married and getting to practice the things that we're talking about, or you might stay single for a while. I I don't really know what that looks like for you as an individual, but, um, for now, you have the opportunity to be solely devoted to Jesus and what he would have you do. And Paul and Jesus uh, both tell us, not not you, Paul, but the Apostle Paul, both tell us that that is a good thing, if not a better thing than to be married. Um, so leave it in the Lord's hands and allow him just to work. But for now, trust that he has you in the place that you're in. Trust your sex life with God. that he, Trust that he has good plans for you. Um and that as it's been designed by Him, and if you you um, use your sexuality the way that God intended it, that it will be a blessing to you, and you don't have to rush anything. You don't have to jump
0: into it. Yeah, and I'll I'll add to that an encouragement to the single person who maybe struggles with with lust in some way that after many years of ministry and many years of counseling uh, married couples, it doesn't get easier when you get married it gets more difficult it does and so if you think it's (laughs) difficult now and like oh i'll get if i could just get married then i wouldn't struggle with lust that's not the way it is it actually increases because the enemy wants to take you down with your spouse so um enjoy (laughs) the the time of singleness that uh you're actually experiencing an easier battle than you will later when you get married so uh, i hope that encourages you and doesn't discourage you but (laughs) anyway uh well great we are over time but man great discussion and uh, join us again next time on Unscripted. Thanks for joining us for today's conversation. If you'd like more material from Pastor Nate, you can go to pastornate.com. That's the word pastor, the letter N, and the number 8.com. And for more information about our church, you can connect with us through our website at mountainlife.church. Hope you can join us again next week as we continue the conversation.